All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, STC Pod, your Start to Continue podcast. We are here doing episode uh, 245, I want to say. 245. Um, your regular favorite weekly podcast happening right here, STC Pod. Uh, we are brought to you by the Berry Game Exchange. I have this very important information for you. You got to check out the Berry Game Exchange. It's happening Sunday, September 15th in Berry at the Eastview Arena. That's an entire hockey arena is going to be filled with uh, game swap goodness. Uh, the Berry Game Exchange is Canada's largest and longest operating game exchange show swap action but uh, not only games not only games you still got uh you got the geek stuff you got uh, board games you got uh tabletop games you got uh geeky movies uh you know pop, those pop figure things artists are there there's all kinds of all kinds of action sunday september 15th you gotta check that out if you want to vend at this thing reach out to the very game exchange people immediately because i'm sure tables are flying right now uh tables are 50 bucks and uh that gives you six whole feet to vend your wares so that's pretty exciting uh to get in on sunday september 15th it's between 11 and 4 p.m there's vip early entrance uh that's at 11 that's 10 bucks if you wait till 12 you get in for five bucks but as always, I recommend you to get there right away to get the primo deals. And uh, come on out there. I'll be there. My partner, Joe, will be there, as well as a huge conglomerate of uh, Cartridge Club folks will be there that uh, you'll want to meet and hang out with. And uh, this is a huge Cartridge Club event. There's going to be lots of Cartridge Club antics going on. Barbecues, buffets, food, drink. All kinds of fun stuff. So check that out. Get that going. Sunday, September 15th, the Berry Game Exchange. Go to their website. You can find it online. So episode 245 STC pod. Let's get this sucker rolling as you can uh, maybe surmise. You haven't heard any other noises or belches or anything coming from the other side of the mic. So it, it is, I am here, your host, Bill. And uh, Joe is, I don't know if you listened to the last episode, last couple, we've been talking about how he camps in luxurious fashion at uh, a very executive uh, parkland, National Parkland Reserve, where uh, just certain elite individuals get there. So he's got some, I think they call it glamping. Isn't that what they do? Or huge pavilions are set up. Uh, yeah, butlers and stuff uh, set up your picnic tables for you and actually roll out a red carpet right into the beach for you so you don't have to get your feet dirty in the sand it just the red carpet takes you right down to the surf so it's that's what he's doing right now so he's too busy to get on the line and jump in for this week's stc pod not to fear though i'm always looking forward to these opportunities when i can invite someone else on to come on with me and we get to learn about new people and get uh, inside their heads and find out what makes them tick. This time, I reached out to my buddy, Josh Creepley. He's uh, he's pretty he's a pretty big deal. 
So I thought it was about time I get him on here. I know he's got a big, crazy history. So I know there's a lot we can get into if he lets us. So I thought it'd be a pretty good opportunity to get get him in here. You know him as uh, Creep1337 on Twitter. I think we, we have to figure out where he gets this name from. Because like that's that's beyond me. These That's a number, but it somehow means a word. It's some, I, I don't know how that works. Josh, do you know, can you explain what the heck, you know, what, <laughs> am I too old to know what that is? Yeah, probably. What is that? <laughs> how, does, how does a number turn into leet? I, um, I don't, it's, it's, a uh, it's, what do you call leet speak? It's, I don't know. It's teenagers being dumb, I guess, back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. But you rolled with it. You're, you're just keeping with it. Yeah, I try anyway. <laughs> so yeah, you're a pretty big deal out there. You're on uh, the Twitter, you're on uh, the Twitch, you're on the YouTube, and you have your own podcast called uh, Not So Special Podcast. Um, I well, I I did have one. I don't know if it's still around or not, but it's it's there somewhere. Well, what do you mean you're not sure if it's still around? <laughs> well, I haven't done an episode in like how many months now, so it's just kind of on hiatus. Hmm. Well, what are you waiting for? There's been nothing going on in your life, right? <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe too much. Maybe that's why. Uh, maybe that's why I just haven't had time to do anything. I I've completely stopped. I haven't made any YouTube videos in like five months or something like that. So, yeah, everything's just kind of ground to a halt. And uh, Josh happens to be my number one helmsman on uh, the Star Trek Bridge Crew VR game. We play that together. We uh, often challenge each other on Beat Saber scores. By the way, I hold most of the high scores now. Yeah, yeah, you finally stepped up your game. And And what else we played? What was the other game we played? The uh, Far... Far Point. Far Point. That was yeah. excellent. Very was good excellent. game. We played that cooperatively where you get the, you got the rifle in your hands and you're walking around. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, me and Josh hang out quite a bit virtually. And we also see each other at uh, the very game exchange where mm-hmm. I think you're going to vend again, right? I am. I talked to Chris about it, so I'm all set up for a table. Ooh, Nice. Nice. All to yourself? One table to yourself? One table to myself. How about you? Are you having one two table to yourself this time? Uh, yeah, taking one table for myself. Wow, much better. And I, I, see you're taking, I see you're taking uh, some advice. Yeah, I'm, op- I'm always open for advice. <laughs> now, I don't know. We might do, yeah, we have one table each, but it might just be two tables for STC pod kind of thing, you know, where we still mix ourselves within the two tables. We haven't, we gotta, we gotta lay down big plans how to set up these tables. I think you need to send, I need to think you need to set down some ground rules first. Ground rules, please elaborate. (laughs) Well, you know, just about, you know, touching each other's things. I remember kind of a a fiasco at the last one, because I think someone touched something that wasn't theirs that may have fallen. Well, yeah, that's all part of the fun, though. Right? Of course, yeah. of course. But <laughs> and Joe's uh, like, I don't know if I got enough stuff. Really? 
Do you remember our last table? <laughs> it does not take much to fill up a six foot table. It really doesn't. No way. No way. No. And we, I got lots. So I'm sure he has, I know he has lots, but uh, he's got to let go. Hopefully he's going to let go. Hopefully. So what, uh, what's been going on with, I know you've, you've actually had some big things going on. You welcomed the second child. Yeah, second, second child into the family, a uh, little boy, um, and he is uh, quite a handful. So that's been taking up a lot of the time. And uh, yeah, just between working 10 to 11 hour days and coming home dead tired, and I just have no energy to do much else than just kind of sit around and veg out in front of a screen somewhere. So is that two boys for you now? Yeah, two boys. Oof. Oh yeah, boy. it's going to be a little crazy. Yeah, but I get well, to use I get to use the uh, I got two kids excuse now. So yeah, hashtag it out. <laughs> two boys. So you're going to be busy like early on, but then in the teenage years, I think it quiets down. They'll, yeah, they'll mellow out, and then we can yeah. actually like do do boy things, you know? Yeah. That must be nice. I got yeah. a teenage girl that uh, I'm telling you, it's trouble. Well, you uh, could do teenage girl things. Uh, yeah, that's so much fun. I had to go <laughs> take her to get a new bathing suit. Dad oh, fun. And daughter shopping for bathing suits. Yeah, that I wanted to kill myself. And it's all. It's like, hey, how about we look at these one pieces? I was going to ask about the modesty. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That looks stupid. Why is that? That's not stupid. One pieces are the way to go. Yeah, all these little bikini type numbers. Oh, yeah, Christ. What a nightmare. And at one point <laughs> she had, I think she had like... Uh, because they sell them separately, tops and bottoms. So she had like 10 bottoms and five tops in her hands. And then Ooh. she's still wandering around the store. And then you look back and now she's down to three and two. And then uh, wandering around again, then she's back up to 10 items again. And then they all go back. What are can we finish? Just pick something and let's finish. Well, it's all part of the, it's all part of the, the retail therapy experience. Ah, oh. I think you should have joined in. You should have also started trying on bathing suits. I think she would have got out there a lot quicker. Hmm. You know what? Yeah, maybe I, I gotta loosen up. I think I gotta I gotta be more zany out there. Yeah. Get some once once you embarrass them enough, then yeah. they're done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just like sitting like a lump by the change room, going, "Let's go, let's go." You're right. I should clown it up a little bit more <laughs> a little bit more excitement and i got the little kid with me too so she's just as bummed out as i am waiting for her but yeah fair anyways right. anyways <laughs> that's uh that's having girls having girls i i wouldn't know what that's like but it sounds interesting <laughs> i have another friend that has two girls and so i i keep warning them i'm like well you know i have another Another friend that has two girls, and he says it's crazy. So, look out. Yeah, that's it. It's crazy. And uh, <laughs> all of, you know, I envision all these things when you have kids. You know, oh, we're going to go out. 
we're gonna like uh, go golfing and stuff. I'm gonna show them how to golf. I'm gonna show them how to play tennis. I'm gonna show them how to play basketball. Do all this stuff, and sometimes it just doesn't translate when you got girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, at least they they watch you play video games, though. Do they play games? Do they play games with you? Uh, very. I want to say rarely. I got talked the oldest into it. And then the little kid will play quite a bit, but you know, that's yeah. just annoying to get a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the big kid uh, thinks it's all very nerdy and stupid. So it boggles my mind. Can you imagine if you had these kind of games when you were 14 in your house? Yeah. Holy mackerel. <laughs> well, it's like my, well, my dad was really big into books, right? So. I always thought that was kind of nerdy. When I was young, I read a lot, but then I was like, you know, I'm I'm too good. I'm too good for this, you know. When you hit those teenage years, oh yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't Absolutely. it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what it is. If your parents are into it, it's not cool. But I'm cool, so I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't by definition, if you call yourself cool, the most uncool thing you can do? I don't know. I know my parents were not cool, but they legitimately were not cool. They had boxcar willy records. That's legitimately not that cool. That was probably cool back then. There's no way you can argue that was cool. I remember <laughs> seeing them watch Lawrence Welk. There's no way that was cool. <laughs> I'm I'm cool, man. Come on, I'm watching you know I you know what I agree. I agree, but you know, I'm not your kid. Yeah. So you're coming to us from the big the big Tri City area. Is that what they call that? The yes, it is Tri Cities. Yeah, pretty famous. Kitchener Waterloo area. Cambridge. That's right. Did you grow up there? No, I was actually born in Toronto. Mm. Um, I lived Jane uh, and Finch for for many years. Um, so I don't know if. Our Canadian listeners uh, will probably know about Jane and Finch, but our American listeners probably do not. It's probably one of the roughest areas that you could live in, uh, in the big TO. So uh, yeah, that's kind of my, that's my claim to street cred, but I don't actually have any because we moved out of there fairly shortly after. So what was the situation like back then? What are, how many years ago are we talking Oh man, I must have been. Well, sorry. Well, I, when I was born, it wasn't Jane and Finch. Like we lived on Bathurst Street. Uh, I think that's where I came home to was Bathurst, and then we moved around. My parents were uh, superintendents of a couple of buildings here and there, so they kind of hopped around. Uh, we we moved around a lot as a family, so it was just kind of wherever there was an opportunity, that's where we were. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine, like, they were a super at Jane and Finch? They were assistant superintendents there, yeah. Like, you would need, you need bulletproof vests. <laughs> yeah, you need a bulletproof vests and a firearms license. Can you, can you imagine breaking up, a, like, a loud disturbance or something at Jane and Finch? I, I just, yeah, that's I why you start. don't, you just don't. <laughs> Yeah, anything like that, you just call the cops. You don't get involved. It's too dangerous. So, 
Yeah. So they knew how to get like blood out of the hallway carpet, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so wow. how how long did you live there for? Uh, I don't really remember. I think it was somewhere around, probably around five years. I think. So not not terribly long. But I think it was it was in some ways a little bit better because like you grow up down there, you just kind of learn the signs of what to watch out for and what to stay away from. So, I mean, we were still allowed to run around as kids, um, like run around with my friends and whatever. And we weren't, we didn't get in any trouble, thankfully, but looking back on it, yeah, it it could have gone really bad. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. I'm still, still picturing that. (laughs) running around outside maybe it wasn't so bad back then you didn't say how many years ago this was uh this was probably back in the 90s i think it was 90s yeah i was born in the 80s so yeah 90s early 90s well so we got out of there where'd you go after that uh so we moved well we uh i lived in quebec for i think three years uh, then we ended up moving overseas for several years. So. Okay, how do you get from Jane and French to <laughs> Quebec? So, because of my parents' work, uh, they work for a nonprofit organization. Uh, we had to get uh, French language training to go overseas. Um, the company that my parents worked for wanted them to go to France, uh, but in the meantime, between them, they 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 insisted actually that my parents would go to France. Um, and during the ins- during their insistence phase, leadership changed at the company. Uh, and while they're in the midst of that changeover, my parents just moved to Quebec and said, well, we're already here. So we're not going to go to France to learn French. We're already in Quebec. So uh, so we lived there and I got thrown into French, uh, French school, not knowing uh, a lick of French. What company were they working for? Is that like a spy organization? <laughs> nonprofit. Nonprofit. Oh, it's nonprofit. Yeah. So hmm. they did they did the linguistic the linguistic work overseas. But they wanted to put them in France. To yeah, to learn French. Oh, to learn French and then be put somewhere else. Yeah, and then we would get transferred over to... We actually moved to West Africa. That's where we were stationed. Um, okay, it's a lot to unpack here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting thrown the, the boatload here. See, I knew that's why I need Josh on the show. When it's just me, so there's no distractions, and we can we can figure this out because this timeline is crazy already. <laughs> if anyone's still listening, I bet you everyone heard Joe's not here and they just left. Well, that's, yeah, it's always a possibility. It's Tom Cruise, right? So, <laughs> um, this was a nonprofit, but they were being paid. It was, you know, lucrative enough to move the family to these locations. I, I wouldn't say lucrative, but it was more it was more a uh, how do we say a pursuit a, a pursuit of passion I should say my parents it's something my parents felt that they wanted to do and so they did it I, it wasn't it wasn't lucrative monetarily um, 
So, is it, is it classified information? Or should I not be digging here? No, it's not classified. I just I don't. I'm not sure how much. Uh... <laughs> I, I'm afraid of the stigma. Let me put it that way. I'm afraid of the stigma. Oh my god! <laughs> See, it's getting better and better. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know. Communism? Uh, no, 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 no. Nothing. Is it religious? Uh, you yeah, it's religious. You could say. Oh, okay. So it's not Scientologist. Not Scientologist. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's like you know missionary work. Yeah, basically. Okay. Okay, so they you get set up in Quebec, and you don't know a lick of French. You're just going to kind of learn it by being engulfed in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you get so, thrown into a French school. Like what grade? Grade three. Oof. Yeah. What was that so, like? Uh, intimidating. Um, thankfully, there were some kids there that kind of spoke some English, so I was able to kind of learn on the fly, as they would say. Um, and they would kind of guide me in the, in the right direction. Um, but it was also hard because we would, all, all the schoolwork is in French and, uh, they'd send homework back in French. Uh, my parents are also learning French. They went to a, to, uh, like a French learning, like a French class at university Laval. Um, and so while they're learning French, they're trying to help us translate our homework into something that we can understand. So it was, yeah, it was stressful, you could say. But they weren't, uh, you know, the kids weren't beating you up or whatever. There's no. Uh, uh, we we were, I mean, we were bullied because we were English, but that was about it. It wasn't nothing physical, just a lot of shouts and insults and name calling and, yeah. Yeah, because definitely years ago in parts of Quebec, you you didn't want to let people know that you were you just spoke English. Cause yeah, exactly. You try trouble. to fake it, fake it till you yeah. make it, right? Yeah. So, um, how well did you pick up the language? Ah, uh, pretty well. I I wouldn't consider myself bilingual now, um, but yeah, I spoke French fairly well and continued to use it overseas. So. In what town was it? Did you say Laval? In Laval, yeah. So we were in Quebec City. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's that's right there. Bad, beautiful town, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We were we were ten minutes from the boardwalk from Chateau Frontenac and fifteen minutes from the island. So yeah, it was it was beautiful. Did you get to go back there? Uh, I, we back? went back. Yeah, I've been. I went back uh, two years ago. Just before my first son was born, my wife and I took a trip out there just to kind of relive the old days. And I kind of showed around my old, my old school, my old, our old apartment area, neighborhood, and we did the old town and all that stuff. So it's mostly the same. (laughs) When your parents uh, moved you to uh, Quebec City, did they pick up more like superintendent jobs or did they just? Uh, We were... They were just there as renters. Um, I, I don't think because of the, uh, because of the program was so intensive, they didn't really have time to get a job. It was kind of just a crash course here. We're going to throw you into this and you're going to learn it type thing. So, mm-hmm. 
So, but our th- through the organization that we were that they were with, I don't I don't know the details because I was so young. But I'm 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 sh- there was obviously some sort of reimbursement or subsidy going on mm-hmm. to allow us to do that. So, if you were there about five years, that puts you you know you're only three. Grade- we were only there for three years. Oh, three years. Yeah. So grade six, you're out of there. Uh, yeah, I, well, it might've been, it might've been grade five. I don't remember something like that, but yeah. Had had you managed to get like roots down at that point, like a good friend circle and then you had to end up moving again. Yeah. Yeah. We learned, uh, we got to know quite a few people. I still keep in in touch with some of them, um, to this, yeah, to this day. Uh, not, not super well, obviously, but you know, we're friends on Facebook kind of thing. Um, Yeah. But that's one thing because again we moved around so much as kids or as a family. So every time, you know, every couple of years, we knew we were going to have to pack up and leave. So I mean, we'd get as close as we could, but we knew that there was going to be a goodbye at some point. Wow! Yeah, and like you guys were fairly religious, would you say? Like a church going? Or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, so, which, which like church is it? What are we talking? Or are you, are you asking like a, denomina- a denomination? Yeah. Uh, Baptist. Yeah. Baptist. Baptist. Okay. Which is pretty generic, but fairly, fair, okay, we'll say serious Baptist. <laughs> and, and you were fine going to church every week or whatever? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was that was normal. That was normal for me. I didn't know any different. It wasn't a drag for you? Like for me, it was a drag. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's a, <laughs> you're a kid. You're like, oh, yeah, we're going to church again today, you know. But you always you always look forward to seeing your friends at church too, right? So you oh, kind of yeah you you suffer through the the hour and a half service, and then you go play with your friends. Sure, I guess so. And I guess that's you know that's a more uh, welcoming community to ease you guys into the new situation. So you know, having a a religious group there to help you, yeah, is always good. Yeah. All right. So then, then what's next? You're uprooted again. Uprooted again, yeah. So then we got posted uh, out to a country, a small country called Burkina Faso, uh, which some people may have heard of. It's been in the news a little bit lately. Um, so yeah, we got posted out there. And what? No, where? What is this? I've never heard of it. Burkina Faso? Uh, it's <laughs> what do you what do you mean you've never heard of this little African country called yeah <laughs> um yeah we got posted out there um it's 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 in West Africa it's it's have you 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 know, do you know the countries like Ivory Coast Ghana Togo Benin sure those countries yeah so we're we're one country up from there. Hmm. So we're okay. kind of right below the Sahara Desert. Hmm. Interesting. Like what? How do you? What do you arrive to when you show up that first day? Uh, we arrive to uh, extreme heat, uh, mosquitoes, uh, a lot of Africans speaking a lot of languages. Uh, yeah, it's a, a, we a whole lot of culture shock. <laughs> it's it's completely different to anything that you've ever known. I mean. Different now because the world is much more multicultural than it was back then. But well, you you flew from Canada to where to get there? Uh, we flew through through Paris through yeah. 
from so, Paris to Africa. So Toronto to Paris to Burkina, yeah. And they had a major airport there, so it's landing a big bird. Yeah, yeah, it's an international airport. It's only one terminal, but it's an international airport. So they've run, I think there's like three three flights to Paris per day or something like that. So, hmm. yeah. So it's a, it's an old French colony, so their their roots are in France as well. So, oh, I see. Okay, so, yeah, making sense. And so you get picked up at the airport by like the organization, and and they try to set you up. Yep. Or... So there is a there's a the the um, there's a partnership company there that has like a center. Uh, there's a there's like a administration office and. Um, there's like uh, guest housing and things like that. So that's where we went and we stayed in, um, two separate rooms. So kids in one room and parents in the other, um, like completely separate. Like it's almost like, a, how do I say it? It's almost like a dorm room, but uh-huh. between the rooms is like outside. It's not like, uh, it's not connected by a, by it's connected by a building, but to go to the other person's room, you have to go outside and then go and knock on the other person's door and then they let you in type thing. Right. So uh, sorry, Josh, did you say you had brothers and sisters? Um, I do have a sister. Yeah. So the two of you are doing this whole thing. Yeah. And is she older or younger? She's older than me. Yeah. She's way older. A uh, year and a half, two years. Yeah. Okay, so is she kind of uh, in charge of you? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I stuck up for myself pretty well, I think. <laughs> so you get situated in this place, and what what is the expectation for the kids to do? But Are you instantly um, put into a school situation? So up to this point, so I, sh- I should clarify one thing here, is that being in Quebec was the only public type school that I have ever been to other than university. Uh, my entire, like, I guess kindergarten stuff is different because I was kind of in a kindergarten, but like from like first grade to third grade and then from whatever fifth grade it was up to university, I was in, uh, I was homeschooled. So we were just continued the homeschooling when we got overseas. Hmm. Okay. So you're, I'm just trying to figure out what you do <laughs> for the rest of the day in this, in this small little country with all kinds of people that you've never seen before. Yeah. You just, again, it's the same thing. It's kind of like starting in Quebec all over again. You just kind of, you know, you see the kids, there's other, there's other like American and Canadian kids there. Um, we did know one family who was there already. Um, so that made things a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, we just kind of got to know them. Uh, you get to know the kids. We get sent to um, an orientation. I think we were there for two weeks, two or three weeks. And then we got sent to an orientation in a, in a different city which is like a 10 hour bus ride <clears throat> down to the city. Uh, and then we spent, I think it was, I can't remember if it was three or six months down in this separate city in a different compound, basically uh, in an orientation. So 
in that time, uh, we kind of learned about the country and what was going on. Like the, the, the adults had their own program and then they had like a kid's program. Um, and yeah, just teaching, they, they kind of teach you some of the local language so you could try to, you could try to talk to other people. Um, and then part of the orientation was spending three weeks in a village. Um, so we would get as a family. So the whole family would get, I guess, I don't know how the villages were assigned, but they picked a, a village and we went there and uh, we just kind of lived with this family in the middle of nowhere for three weeks. Uh, and then we, then we came back and that again, like no, no running water, no electricity. You're just out, out in the boonies. Right. What, what, like what, what kind of housing is it? What, what um, um, made of? A mud hut. <laughs> a mud hut. A mud hut, straw roof. Yeah. We slept on the ground and I think we had, I think they did bring a mattress, like a thin foam mattress that we slept on. Um, and you're like, well, oh, six months ago, I was in a theater watching Ghostbusters. And, <laughs> and now I'm here getting eaten by mosquitoes. And yeah. What kind of dangers did they warn you about? Uh, just, I, I, I was, gonna, I was just about to say, oh, you know, just the regular things, you know, bats, snakes, that kind of stuff. But yeah, nothing crazy. Like you just have to be mindful of, um, you know, where you're stepping, uh, you watch for snakes, scorpions and things like that. Um, you can't, you don't drink any of the water from the wells. Like you've got to bring it back and you got to filter it. We have to filter that ourselves so that we can drink it because there's like, bacteria and amoebas and stuff like that that our bodies aren't used to our immune systems just can't right. handle it so. and what are people doing in this village like all day <clears throat> just long? just living surviving uh they're there's gather food where are they getting they're food? they're subsistence farmers so they would you know go out and plow the fields and plant and that's what they would do during the day so and as, as kids are you part of your responsibilities to get in on that and help out with the farming with the the food gathering um if i was an african kid yes but because we were white we were considered privileged so they wouldn't actually let us do any work so we just kind of sat around and watched yeah pretty much not intentionally not that we wanted to be but that's just kind of the status that we were given so, so there wasn't any like big like political unease, was there? There wasn't like roving armies that you have to worry about or people no. walking around with no. AKs, nothing like that. Well, people walk around with AKs, but no, nothing armies. Um, we didn't. No, there was no there was no civil unrest at that time. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty safe. We always said that. Well, so Burkina Burkina Faso is one of the poorest countries in the world. That there's there really is nothing there's nothing worth fighting over so it's one of the reasons why we went there did you make friends with kids your age there yeah yeah Yeah. kids my age and older and so we'd go out to uh you know we'd go out hunting with slingshots and whatever and go kill lizards and snakes and whatever we could find and yeah let's go to the go to the local markets and talk to people and wander around and just kind of explore. We did a lot of exploring. And you were given like free reign to go, go explore kind of thing. Yeah, pretty much. We would say, we'd tell my, or the the kids would say, Hey, we're going here. And I'd say, okay. And I'd go and say, Hey mom, I'm going with these kids. We'll be back at whatever. 
whatever time. Okay. See you later. And off we'd go. Nice. We'd be gone for, you know, three, four hours at a time. I'd be going with some kids that I barely knew off to a place I didn't know. And just. <laughs> <laughs> but did, was, there, um, was this like a motorcycle thing or a bike uh, bicycles, or... bicycles? Bicycles. Yeah. Or, or we'd walk, you know, we would spend hours just walking. We would, we'd easily do, you know, 10 kilometers of walking a day easily. What was the thing you could really show off to these locals that you had that, that they didn't have? Was oh, something that... Probably. <laughs> so I didn't hear that. What was it? What? Shoes. The shoes. Hey, check out these. <laughs> no, I didn't honestly didn't have anything at that point. Um, I think I had a Walkman, maybe. I think we listened to some music. That was about it. Or maybe we had board games, one or two board games that we would we would play. That was about it. But that's all. The rest. A, a Game Boy and become like a god? <laughs> I had a Game Gear, so I was good for about two hours of three weeks. So, <laughs> <laughs> And then it took you a year to get more batteries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So you have fond memories of these times, I take it. Um, yeah, for the most part, I think. Uh, at the time, I don't think we appreciated it as much as we as I do now. Um, it was just very. It, it's it's kind of strange, kind of trying to explain it because to me that was that's normal. That's normal life. That's what I did. Um, and so when people saying, you know, oh, this is this must have been great for you, or you must have fond memories, like you're saying. Uh, I was like, yeah, I guess it's, it's this kind of the, the same memories that I guess you would have as a kid. Right. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is like movie stuff you're talking about the <laughs> that you're doing. Well, that's what I'm knowledge. saying. Like everyone says it's so special. And again, looking back, I can tell that it was because it's very different to what other people have done. But like I said, that was normal for me. I didn't know any, I didn't know any different. Hmm. So like what, what else were you able to like do the whole safari thing while you're there or is it strictly business down to business every day? Um, oh, like we did tourist stuff. So, uh, there was like a game park there that we'd go to and go and see elephants and stuff and crocodiles. Um, then we, uh, my my parents did a lot of work, obviously, and um, yeah, we just kind of did school, and then when school was done, we'd go off and play. There, what was the money they were exchanging there, like what the name of the money? Yeah, uh, we called it. It's called CFA, which I think is Central Franc of Africa or something like that. So, um, the conversion at that time, I, I don't know what it is right now, but it would be. The short, the short term would we would be francs. We call them francs, mm. um, like a French before before Europe became euros. Uh, French. It was based on the French currency, so French francs, and um, so the equivalent of five hundred francs, Burkina francs, was equivalent to one dollar. So you'd be someone would give you like five thousand francs, and it would be like ten bucks. Mm-hmm. So, so what would like a, a pack of gum cost you? A pack of gum might be like one or two hundred francs from there. So, very cheap. But you have to remember, like the 
um, what do you call it? The GDP of the country is not very big, right? So they everything shows up. So if someone were to work all day, like hard labor in the fields, they might make between three to five dollars a day. Mm-hmm. So right. that pack of gum costs a dollar. That's a third of their wage. So it's expensive for them, but it's cheap for that us. Just sounds like uh, when I was a kid as a harvester, I worked all day <laughs> and made three dollars. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> so same thing. So we see it's relatable. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I blew it all on my lunch hour. <laughs> so as how long did you how long were you there for we were there for a total of i think it was eight years eight years yeah. wow now wow. we would go back and forth it wasn't eight years straight we would do i think at the most we would do four years a four-year stretch and then we would come back to canada for a year and then we'd go back again so because of the politics with ontario like health insurance and citizenship and stuff like that we have to come back and spend a year here to keep our OHIP coverage mm-hmm. um, and our citizen citizenship status and things like that. So, so with the with the religion thing, there are you are you like you know actively bringing people in, like converting the native population it, as much it, as you can, kind of thing. It wasn't it wasn't based on um, how do I say like we. We weren't, what's the word? We weren't preachers. Like my, my, my dad would, would preach, but he wasn't a preacher. Um, it, it wasn't evangelism in that sense. It was mostly, like I said, linguistic work. So it would be translation. It would be literacy. It would be like trying to help them. Because the, the, the language group that my parents uh, found to work with uh, they don't have any, or they didn't have any written language at all. It was just a spoken language. And so they wanted to go in and help them kind of, you know, create an entire alphabet and then teach everyone how to read it type thing. Because it just elevates because there's so many languages uh, in this. Small... So this country, Burkina Faso, is about half the size of Ontario. And there are 46 different languages in that country. So each language, as they don't have, if they, if they don't read or they don't write, uh, they eventually get taken over by, you know, either French or a, a, another dominant trade language, uh, which basically kind of eliminates that, that language from history, right? So it, it destroys the, the individualism of, of that culture. So my parents kind of wanted to go in and, and help these people establish their culture in reading and writing so they can write down their stories and things like that. And and being the Christian Baptist side of it, you know, if if they we would work with churches to do that. So we would also translate, you know, religious materials and things like that. But that wasn't the sole purpose of it. It was also to translate school school materials. It was to write down uh, you know, stories, local legends, local wisdom, that kind of thing, uh, history yeah. of the area, that type of stuff. So that's fantastic. So it wasn't just like you're building churches. No, you're actually trying to save the native languages and yeah. culture. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. 
So that had to make you feel good. Success story. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't me doing it. I was just along for the ride. So <laughs> yeah. So after a while, they decided to move on. Enough was enough. What what made the change there? Uh so well, <clears throat> you, you are you talking about when you decided to leave? Leave Burkina? Yeah. Yeah. So we left Burkina in. I want to say. Or I shouldn't say we. I left Burkina in 2006. 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. Um, and we came back to Canada. Uh, and that's when we, <clears throat> that's when I was living in Barrie, just down the road from you, actually. But I didn't know you at the time. And uh, so then I kind of moved out on my own. I, I moved down here to, to Kitchener, um, went to college. And that kind of stuff. And then my parents actually went back. So my parents were were back for several years while I was over here alone. So hmm. how did you pick Barry to come back to? Uh, so my my parents' head office was in Toronto. And then my parents are actually from Muskoka. So my mom's from Gravenhurst and my dad's from Huntsville. So we wanted to find like a, a middle ground between they could, you know, an hour north or an hour south type thing depending on where they had to go. So hmm. we had spent time. Came to bear. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Uh, we had spent time in Aurelia when we had been home a different time. So we had, we had lived in uh, like Bracebridge and Gravenhurst and stuff. And then we were back for, I think a year at one point, one of our, our, our year stretches back in Ontario and we lived in Aurelia and uh, we liked it, but I think when we came back, my parents wanted to to be a little, be in a bigger or be closer to Toronto. I think so. Barry was the next logical choice. So we've yeah, never lived in a place twice. <laughs> no, but when you came to Barry, it was just you. No, my whole family lived in Barry. Yeah, they. Okay. Yeah. So, but then. I had met my, well, my, my wife, but my, my girlfriend at the time, and she lived down here. Um, and so I just decided, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be on my own, I need to go to college or whatever, and I need to get schooling. So I could stay in, in mm-hmm. Barry and go to, go to Georgian college, uh, which I did apply to. And I also applied down here and I was accepted to both, uh, both programs that I applied to. So. I just chose that, you know what, I'm going to be on my own. I might as well do it while my parents are still around to help me if I need it. Because if I'm, you know, once they're gone, they're gone type thing. And so I figured I have a little bit of a safety net. So I'll, I'll move down to, to Kitchener and go to school there. And yeah. So they can help you out with tuition and all that. With yeah. Food money to get you going. They needed to help me out. Yeah. So I, I basically paid... I had some money from um, my grandfather who passed or my grandmother who passed away. And so that paid for my college. So I just kind of used all that for, for tuition and then worked my way through paying room and board while I was down here. So. Fascinating. (laughs) Fascinating life. (laughs) I guess. I think I'm. I think I'm missing a place. Didn't you tell me though there was 
Was there the Philippines involved somewhere? No, no, I was never in the Philippines. Who? That must have been someone else. So, I mean, I, I've, I've skipped other places that we've lived. I mean, we, we, we've, again, we, because we've traveled all over the place, uh, we've, I've done, I can't tell you how many times we've driven all around the States. Uh, we, we lived in Texas for a couple of years while my parents were doing ling- linguistic training. Uh, we lived in Dallas. Um, that was before Quebec. So it was kind of like here, Toronto, and then. Then we moved to Dallas and then back to Toronto and then to Quebec and then back to Toronto for a month or two. And then, yeah, then Burkina. So, so I guess I lied. We've yeah, lived in Toronto more than once. <laughs> yeah. So how long did your parents keep at, uh, you know, the, the good work? Uh, they came good. back, they came back, I want to say three years ago. Three or four years ago, they came back permanently. So, and they had been in Africa that whole time. Yep, for the most I, part. For the most part, yeah, they would come back once in a while. So they would stay, they would stay with me in my apartment for you know two or three months, and then they would go back, or you know, or my dad would have to come back for a meeting, so he would stay with me, and my mom would stay there, or vice versa. So. Wow, that's incredible. I actually yeah, actually took my, my girlfriend or my wife, I took her to Burkina for a Christmas. Uh, really? Just because I, I hadn't seen my family in like two years. So my parents basically said, come over and, you know, we, we got over there. And that's actually where I proposed to her was in Africa. So I figured it would be a unique story for her to tell. Yeah, I guess. And did your sisters stick with the folks? Uh, no. Uh, my sister left uh, in 2007-ish. Uh, she split from the family, and I haven't I haven't spoken to her since then. So. Oh. Yeah. Really, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, well, it is what it is. So. She's she just decided she didn't want to be. Didn't be, didn't want to be with us anymore. So she's not dead or anything. Wow, she's not dead. All... So it's not. <laughs> she just no. But still, after all that life experience together, yeah. To uh... well, I'm sure that'll straighten itself out at some at point. some point. Yeah, we're open. But... Yeah, yeah, like. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping for you. I don't like hearing. <laughs> Thank it. you. Yeah, I, pre- I, like I appreciate hearing it. families being apart. No, no. But I, don't, I like. I don't tell a lot of people. I realize this is a podcast that's going out to everyone. So, but well, no one listens, so it's fine. <laughs> Maybe she's gonna listen. Maybe by some miracle. you never know. Maybe she's into the and Cartridge Club, and I don't even know. Yeah, well, it's, you know, when you look back on these things, the family stuff, the biggest thing is all the time wasted, yeah. you know. It's, all that time was wasted being apart for no for no good reason yeah. or whatever. So that's the frustrating thing when you look back after a certain amount of years. It's just well, That was just a big waste of time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we hope for the best, and we'll just wait. 
what did you take in uh, university? Well, so I went to college first. Uh, I was a personal, I took personal support worker. Uh, so healthcare for the elderly and people with special needs. Um, I did that for, that was only like a year program. Um, I was hired before I even graduated. Uh, and I did that for four years ish. Sorry, I'm very vague with my times because I just don't keep track of it. And you're doing better than I. <laughs> um, and then that in that time, I I got I got married. Um, and you know, one day I just kind of woke up and said, you know, I my my PSW job that I had was never meant to be my full time job. I never wanted it to be my career. I just did it because. It was a one-year program and I knew I could get a job and I knew it would pay decent and it would be kind of there while I figured out what else I wanted to do. So next thing you know, four years has passed and I'm still doing the same thing. And I just kind of, my wife and I were talking and I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to do this anymore. I, it's not that I don't enjoy the people I work with. I just don't, don't really want to do the job. So it was at the right time when I could, I could leave. Like she was working full time and she said, you know what? Now's the time. Go back to school. Do what you want to do. So I went to uh, university, Laurier University in Waterloo. Uh, and I took global studies there to hopefully use that one day. <laughs> so that was a, that was a four-year program. So I have a bachelor's. Holy mackerel, four yeah. years. You're like Joe. You've been to school long enough to be a doctor. <laughs> and yet I have nothing to show for it. <laughs> well, so what is, what is the game plan with that kind you of studies? What, what is that? That, that is the Go question ahead. of the century, you know? I, <laughs> <laughs> you go, you know, you go into school so hopeful about, you know, you're going to go in, you're going to save the world type thing. And then. While I'm in school, I'm still I'm still working part time. Uh, we're trying to. It, it was tight. I, I'm not going to say it was easy. Like uh, we we learned to be frugal at that point, uh, which is I, I was kind of used to it. We kind of been with my parents' lifestyle. We had been frugal most of our lives, so it 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 wasn't easy. And then we would. Uh, I think that that kind of took away from my drive. So I, I, by the end of the four years, I was just trying to finish. My, my idealism had been gone because I had spent so much time working and trying to make ends meet that I couldn't, I didn't really focus on my, why I wanted to go to school. And I just was in school. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I graduated, um, not top honors or anything, but, graduated and then uh started working i was still doing my i my part-time job i went to full-time um it was warehouse work it was thankless it was terrible it was the worst job i've ever had Uh, i did that for four years uh and then same thing i was just uh so the my last year in university is when my parents came back um, so we were able to, I was able to like 
leave my apartment. My wife and I moved in with my parents and I was able to focus on studies. And then, mm-hmm. um, my, 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 my dad had gotten a different job. He had, they were not, they weren't doing, they weren't involved with their old work anymore. So he'd gotten a job doing, he always loved driving trucks. So he got a truck driving job and, um, then, yeah, one day he just called me and said, hey, there's an opening. Do you want to drive a truck? And I said, sure. It gets me out of this warehouse. Uh, mm-hmm. And here we are. Three years later, <laughs> I'm still driving a truck. <laughs> so I, I think I'm coming up to that that awakening point, you know, where you just kind of sit up and say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. So I love your job. You get all kinds of cool. Stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. It's cool to some people, I guess. But well, that's like me saying you get to watch TV at your job all day, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you get to find treasures all the time. You get to go go to a spot, pick stuff up, and uh, maybe find a treasure. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Not always, but maybe. I always like that. I always like the thought of potentially finding a treasure. Mm-hmm. And you get to do that every day. <laughs> and you get to be in the truck, bouncing up and down, you know, uh, intimidating all the other sedan drivers out there. And, you know, it's good times. Yep. It can be. I'm still trying to figure out what we can do with your university. Oh, yeah. I, I have no idea, you know. like, uh, Is it like get you a government position it, it could potentially um you know i'd always kind of hoped to work for like the un or something like that um right you know that's always the idealistic dream um but obviously you need to start yeah well, need okay. to start smaller than that um but it's well christ you got four years to university you're you're good to go <laughs> yeah you'd think right so and your world experiences off the chart like you got a really great resume when you when you look at it like that it is it is really good yeah. i'd hire you well you need to tell the people i'm applying to that's what you need to do okay we'll put me down <laughs> so yeah it's it's i think that uh well in the meantime like i've been driving truck then you know we've had two kids we bought a house you know things like that so there's expenses to pay so you know i can't just walk away from everything you know so it, it makes things a little bit more complicated now. Um, yeah. And I think that actually driving the truck for so long has hurt me because a lot of people, now that you apply, say, hey, I have a university or a bachelor's degree in this and that. Um, great. What have you been doing? Oh, I've been driving a truck. <laughs> so. Don't let that hold Oh, I, I know. Piss on them. That's ridiculous. I know I shouldn't. And you could be on the phone. You could be on the phone hustling all day while you're in the truck too. You know, making calls to whoever yeah. to figure out something. Yeah. You know, yeah. Use that time. I I, sh- I should. Well, I spend all my time listening to podcasts now. So I and I'm the worst one to give this advice because I sit all day watching TV at work <laughs> and I could be hustling. <laughs> yeah. I dream about having the ambition one day to hustle during my downtime. But yeah, you just enjoy your downtime, though, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Well, see, that's the thing. That's important. Is that yeah. you got to enjoy yourself too? If you're if you're constantly working, I admire those people who can just like are constantly on the go, constant like constantly doing the hustle, as you say. 
Uh, but man, I, mm-hmm. I don't have the drive for that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me neither. Okay. So we met through like this, this video game community, yep. right? Yep. So when did this whole video game thing get in there? There wasn't no arcade in your mind. <laughs> there was no arcade. No. Um, I had always, I had always liked video games. I liked games in general. Um, I realize that's probably the most cliche thing you can say, uh, especially in this community. But um, like I, I had a Game Gear growing up. That was my thing. Um, and I, I was always very behind in my generation. So like everyone had the GameCube and I had the N64 type thing. So uh, right up until, you know, modern generations, um, I had, an, I, I think my, my most current, um console that i ever had at the time that it was relevant was the 360 um and even then i only had a couple of games um and then i went when i went back to university i kind of used my gaming as my escape from schoolwork so i started watching um like garage sale hunter videos and I found the retro hunters back in the day uh, before they went defunct. Um, so I just got addicted to that type of thing. So then I started going to, I couldn't do, I didn't do garage sales, um, but I started doing thrift stores. I started finding games that way and buying them and they were only a buck or two bucks. So that was kind of just my, uh, you know, on my way back from school, I would hop off the bus and go to a thrift store type of thing. So, and as far as like meeting everybody, I'm not, I think, I think the first person that I met online that I actually garnered a friendship with was Canadian retro. And I think through him is kind of how I got to know everybody. Hmm. Well, you were kind of a big deal too in YouTube when you got on there, you got hooked up with a, with a big crew. Yeah. Right? I, well, like I said, it was, it was kind of through, kind of through Troy there. Um, I, I, I started, I did all those garage sale hunting videos and stuff that I, that I would watch. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to start, I'm going to start making my own videos. Um, so I did, I just started, I made a video or two. Um, and then, uh, I, I, I joined with one of my friends, Ben, uh, and he joined me and then we started, we, he, he kind of got me back into games. So we kind of, we had our own, um, YouTube channel called game hunters are us. Uh, yeah, you got pretty big. Uh, if you call 400 subscribers big, uh, yeah, I guess you can say that. Well, yeah. You're being honest. <laughs> you guys were famous. Tri-city famous. Tri-city famous. Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I heard there was the the uh, Waterloo video game swap was happening. So Ben and I decided we were going to go there. And I, we, I had, I had, I knew who, who Canadian retro was. Uh, and that was the first time that I met him in person, him and another guy named Longshot. Um, right. And so through, uh, through them, then I kind of got to the bigger community and I got to know more people. Um, yeah. I think that's, I think that's the story. Um, and I think, okay. So then I, at that game swap at the very, the first, not the first 
Waterloo video game swap in, in general, but the first one that I went to, um, I was hanging out with, with Canadian retro. And that's the first time that I met Kevin buried on Mars is I bought, I oh. bought a game out of his trunk. I think I actually still, I think I still have that game actually. Um, and so that's how I got to know him. And then I think at a later video game swap, he he was walking around with you and then he introduced me to you. I think that's the connection. Yeah, see that's the big moment yes, in your life. Yes. That's what we're waiting for. Yeah. Let let it led to this moment right now. <laughs> uh watch, wow, I'm sorry you had to meet Kevin <laughs> You I powered through, and you kept. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I the first time I met you, because you had you and Joe were not public personas at that point, like you hadn't shown your face or anything. So that mm. was the joke, and I didn't realize it was a joke because I I didn't listen to podcasts back then either. Um, he said, "Oh, this is this is uh, Bill. Start to continue podcast. Okay, yeah, yeah." Um. And he saw that I was recording, as I do at most of the shows. And he said, "Oh, you gotta, you have to censor Bill's face. He doesn't, he doesn't show his face." And I guess that was a joke, but I didn't realize it was a joke. And so I spent hours editing and censoring your face <laughs> out of my video. If you go back, you'll see it. It's censored out. <laughs> nice. I appreciate that. <laughs> So yeah, it's just really funny. So that's how I think that's how I know you the most is I spent all those hours censoring your censoring your face, staring at your face, face while covering it up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't meet Joe until like I want to say three years later. Like it was a long time before I met Joe. And now you're consuming like all the podcasts. Everything, right? yeah. I. I really only started listening to podcasts. I want to say like two years ago is when I really started going into them. So, and, uh, and yours, yours and uh, I, I know this is going to be contentious, but yours and retro Fandango were the two that I started with. So. But uh, SCC first. I, I, I can neither uh, confirm nor deny. <laughs> Well, here's a treat for you. Uh, the latest Retro Fandango. I make an appearance. I listened on. to that today, actually. Oh, I, did you? How did it turned out it? very well, I think. Yes. Good. Yes. I, I will admit that I, like, if we're going to comment on the podcast, I'm not a huge Blazing Saddles fan. But I do like the other two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I, really? What is? I don't know. I think uh, you know what it probably it probably deserves a rewatch. I should rewatch it now that I'm older. But I remember the first time I watched it. Maybe I was just younger. I just I don't know. I didn't get half the jokes. I don't think so. I think that really helps me in re remembering Mel Brooks films. Is that I saw them when I was super young, and it was so outrageous to see when you're super mm -hmm. young that. It's always going to get a past in my life, no matter how much older yeah. I get. I'm still going to watch it and say that was <laughs> goddamn brilliant. Although Spaceballs could have been better. <laughs> well, see, my I, 
to my recollection, the very first Mel Brooks movie that I ever saw was Robin Hood Men in Tights. And so that one gets a pass from me because that's probably one of my favorite Mel Brooks movies. That And, and mm-hmm. I think Spaceballs was the second one. And so, again, that's why it gets a pass because it was one of the first ones that I saw. And I, I haven't seen it in many years, so it, I've probably seen Robin Hood more recently than Spaceballs. Gee, I haven't seen that one in forever. I believe I saw that in the theater. Oh, of course you did. Actually, I think it was the drive-in. Maybe if I if I remember, it might have been the drive-in. <laughs> remember when uh, Patrick Stewart showed up at the end? You're like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was mind-boggling. Yeah, because I think there was there was some crappy. Camelot movie or something that year out. Yeah, where, uh, Sean Connery comes as the uh, camel. Wasn't that wasn't that King first Richard. night? Wasn't that the one with Richard Gere? Oh. Or yeah, is it that I'm thinking of, or am I thinking of the Kevin Costner Robin Williams? Robin Williams, Robin Hood. You mean <laughs> Robin Hood? Yeah, it could be that. that. But who who comes back as King Richard at the end of that? That's a good question. That might. Or was it? Hmm. I should know. Yeah, I've seen that movie a million now. times. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Now, as far as Mel Brooks movies come, sorry, I know we've taken a turn from the interview here, but um, have you ever seen the movie To Be or Not to Be? Starring Mel Brooks. Uh, it doesn't sound familiar. It is. It's a comedy. It, it, I think that, from what I re, from what I remember, that movie is probably the funniest Mel Brooks movie that I know. And I don't think it was directed by him, though. I think it was someone else. But he produced it and he starred in it. And it's about him and his wife who own a theater during uh, the Nazi invasion in Poland. Oh, that's called the silent movie. No, 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 no. It's to be or not to be for sure. I, are you positive? Are you sure. Because in the silent movie, that's that's what the deal is. He. Oh, maybe it's a take on that. Maybe. Silent movie was the first one, or maybe that's Mel Brooks' interpretation of that movie. No, no, that's me being mixed up. You're you are completely right. To be or not to be. Uh, Nineteen eighty three comedy satire. That sounds right. Uh, he's with Anne Bancroft. That's that's who he was really. Oh, really? To. Oh, well. Yeah, I remember seeing that movie when I was young. That was a movie I watched in Africa, and I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I've I think I saw like I've seen some of this like just recently, but not the whole movie. But yeah, I was mixing that up with the silent his silent movie. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. There you go. On the list. There's a remake. Yeah, it was directed by someone else. Hmm. Cool, man. Good recommendation. <laughs> there you go. I'm good for something. 
So now uh, the Waterloo game thing is game exchange, game swap is all done. Now it's, you're a, it's a dead, yeah. full-fledged Barry game exchange guy. Full-fledged right? Barry game exchange, yep. <clears throat> Show up every year. I I didn't sell the first two or three times that I went to the show, but ever since then I've been I think I've been selling for the past couple of years. So And you always stick around for the buffet afterwards. Always. Uncle Uncle Bill's buffet. I mean And now it makes sense why you make me say a prayer after every plate. Before <laughs> every plate I go. Well it's a new meal. You have to pray again. <laughs> So, are are you still involved with the religion? So, yeah, I still go to church. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I try. We're trying to, you know, create a, a positive atmosphere for the kids to grow up in, and so. Well, that's good to hear. Good to hear someone's still holding the faith. <laughs> Say a prayer for me. I try. <laughs> I try, but it's hard. I pray for you God. every time I hear you talk, though. <laughs> all right josh I, I think we had a good chat I'm, i apologize for putting you through the interview process here oh, but oh, I knew yeah. there was a lot to get through i knew you had a very interesting life hiding there somewhere <laughs> we had to get it out because i think you'd start a conversation with me and you'd be like throw the africa thing out there or something i'd be like oh don't say anymore <laughs> I want to. Oh, We're gonna hold it. This. Hold it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Sounds crazy. I want to know more, but it's got to be recorded. Oh man, wait till we get to the antics at some point. <laughs> mm. uh, so, how do you feel? Do you think we did okay? Yeah. Are you happy with it? Yeah, I'm happy with it. Yeah. You're happy. With, I mean, it's your show. You got to be happy with it. I'm. I'm happy with it. I got creepy Josh on. It was good times. <laughs> I mean, uh, hey, we we actually talk uh, quite a bit because we're online playing our games or whatever. We'll sit there chat for a good hour after we're done <laughs> playing our games. So yeah, after we're done finger banging in in Star Trek, then kind of <laughs> sit back and just chat. There's the jo- there's the drop for you, uh, Derek. <laughs> All right, uh, well, thank you very much for appearing on. Uh, Joe List STC Pod. I'm sorry I couldn't bring you, Joe. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm sorry Joe wasn't here, but I'm glad I could step up. I'm kind of half Joe. If you take the SH off my name, I guess I could be Joe. That's true. I got yeah. stepped up to uh, to semi host. You have to come back again when uh, when Joe's around. Yeah. So he can have. Uh, I'm sure he'll have lots of questions for you too. Any anytime, let me know and I'll be here. Uh, otherwise, um, you have anything to report on the not so special podcast? Ah, uh, not no, not at this point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a couple of people have asked about it, but that's been about it. So I don't know if there's a whole lot of interest for it still. So maybe this will be enough to satiate people in the meantime. No, you can bring it back. <laughs> So I feel like no, this is just like this is the pity, the pity party for Josh kind of point. I don't <laughs> <laughs> make him feel good about his podcast that sucks, that kind of thing, you know. That's not true. <laughs> you did it. You did it solo too, which is a whole uh, thing, and you pulled it off every time. Well, that's I think that's part of it. Like solo podcasting is so hard. Trying to just, you're sitting there having a conversation with yourself. 
and you just mm-hmm. you don't find yourself interesting because it's all stuff you know. So, bravo to the people who do it. I know James does it by himself. I don't know how he does it so successfully, and mm-hmm. Frantic does it, and he has commitment to do it every week or every couple of weeks. So, congrats to those guys. Well, I'm sure we'll see another not so special podcast soon. Maybe, very soon. maybe one day. And your YouTube stuff. Let's get that going. Get your pickup videos. I have I have two pickup videos filmed, but they're just sitting on my hard drive doing nothing. Well, <laughs> get them out there. I want to see the treasures, the treasures from the garbage. There's yeah. There's hey, I've I had a garbage find yesterday. Oh yeah, actually, what was it? I picked up, uh, I don't know if you if you know, but uh, a while ago I picked up a reel-to-reel tape recorder. Yeah, I remember that. At the thrift store. And just yesterday, in uh, one of the giant, we have like these huge recycled bins at work where we throw in just old tape and old media, you know, discs, yeah. whatever. There was four reel-to-reel reels just sitting there. Oh, nice. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I saw that picture on Twitter. You both yeah. Did yeah. Did they work? Did you yeah. did you listen to them? No, 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 no. Uh, actually, the reel to reel does not work as it stands. It's it's uh, a decorator piece right now. Uh, like it powers up, it lights up, looks gorgeous, lit up. But you advance the the motors and nothing happens. So maybe a belt fell off, or I, I bet it's something simple. But I just never bothered to open it up. Now that I have actual media to put on it, yeah. Maybe I'll see about getting it going. Yeah. Sounds like surgery is needed. Yeah. That would be cool. It would be interesting to know what's on those tapes. I I actually think they're blank, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah? If I could be honest. They look look like new. So. Huh. Which is cool to have some blank tape. You can record whatever. You wonder who who found those in the attic and dumped them out somewhere. Yeah. So. Anyways, um, where we we got to tell people where to find Creepy Josh. Uh, YouTube is probably the best. I don't know. YouTube's not the best spot. Twitter's the best spot right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Creep1337 on Twitter is that's the best place to find me. I'm uh, posting stuff there. That's usually where you'll see the, the latest garbage find. If I find something, that's where I post it. Uh, that's where I'm talking to people. So. Right, and come out to the Barry Game Exchange September something or another and meet him in person. Yeah, come shake my hand, say hi. You don't have to shake my hand if you don't want to, but say hi at least. I'll be there. I I uh, think I'm beside I'm beside you guys somewhere, I think. I'll be close to you, so look for look for Bill or Joe and I'll be around. Yeah, I think we'll have a whole like row of cartridge club. Um, she's a rich you know, section power, yeah. power section yeah yeah so that'll be cool uh for myself uh thanks everyone for listening i've been bill of the stc pod uh, you can find me on twitter at stc pod we do have a youtube channel <laughs> excuse me it's uh youtube slash start to continue and uh, i think that's it Thanks, Josh, for stopping by. I really appreciate it, man. It was a great chat. Thanks for having me. Do you want to uh, have the honor of saying our closing, uh, closing, closing? Ooh, of course. <laughs> Please, go ahead. Uh, post it and post it.
say she's crazy, she got diamonds on the soles of her shoes. Well, that's one way to lose these walking blues. Diamonds on the soles of your shoes. She was physically forgotten, but then she slipped into my pocket with my car keys. She said, You've taken me for granted because I please you. Wearing these diamonds. And I could say, Ooh. Everybody here would know exactly what I was talking about. I'm talking about diamonds on the soles of shoes. for his ordinary shoes And she said, honey, take me dancing But they ended up by sleeping in a doorway While the bodegas and the lights on over Broadway Wearing diamonds on the soles of their shoes And I could say, Everybody here would know exactly what I was talking about. I'm talking about Diamonds on the soles of my shoes. 